From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Cancer treatment often includes surgery and or chemotherapy and or radiation therapy. Today, we're going to focus on radiation therapy with Dr. Linda Schicker, an assistant professor of radiation oncology at Upstate. Thanks for being here, Dr. Schicker. Thank you, Amber. It's a pleasure. I uh, wanted to start out by asking, is the radiation in radiation therapy, is that the same kind of radiation that can be harmful at high levels to humans? Absolutely. It is the same. So how, how do you manage working with something that can be dangerous and making it be helpful? Very carefully. <laughs> okay. And with a lot of technology and with a lot of highly trained people. Um, you know, from the staff that positions the patients, including the staff that help develop the treatment plans, the physicians, the physicists. Uh, some of our treatments that we do, every time we deliver that treatment, we have a dosimetrist or a physicist standing at the console. So it really does take a village. So it's very precise. Yes. Measure- okay. Yes. Well, let's talk about how radiation works. Um, it's designed to damage the cancer cells or to kill the cancer cells? Well, radiation damages just about everything that it hits. Um, So we use ionizing radiation, which is the same radiation that you get when you get a chest Mm, X-ray. Ours is a little stronger. Um, And what it does is that it travels in a straight line. So if you imagine being hit with a flashlight beam, it travels through you. It doesn't stay in you. It doesn't run around in your body like chemotherapy does. But what it does do is that it is composed of little packets of energy called photons. Those photons, when they interact with matter, like the human body, they can either directly or indirectly damage the DNA strands. Now, they're not just damaging the DNA strands of cancer cells. They can also damage the DNA strands of your normal cells. So how do we manage to kill the cancer cells without actually killing the patient? Wow, right. Cancer cells lose their repairability. So sometimes they're killed immediately. More often, they will have breaks to that DNA strand, and they can't fix it. And after several breaks, the cell eventually dies. Depending on where the cell is in the cell cycle, it can be more sensitive to that. And chemotherapy can also make it more sensitive to that kind of damage. Regular cells are also damaged that way, but if you give a period of time, and we know that that period of time is a minimum of six hours, between, we'll call it hits of radiation therapy, normal cells can repair that damage Hmm. up to a point. So you can't give too much at once, and you can't give the treatments too close together, or you kill the normal cells too. And what we're looking for is that differential kill kill the bad cells, and allow the good cells to survive. Wow. I've always heard people saying, you know, that they had to go for radiation therapy, I don't know, every day for a week or several weeks or different time periods. But that's why, right? Right. Huh. I never realized that. So uh, is radiation therapy, is that available for all kinds of cancers? Or are there particular cancers that, that respond better to radiation therapy? Well, certainly most of the solid tumors respond very well. Within any diagnostic group, some will be more sensitive than others. Um, And again, that's then where we can bring in chemotherapy to help sensitize the cells to make it more uh, capable of being damaged by the radiation therapy. Um, When we're talking about cancer, we can divide that sort of into two general groups. One is solid tumors 
which is what we use radiation therapy for because it gives us a target. The other is hematologic malignancies like leukemias. That's a situation where you have cancer cells that are circulating all through your body. So that's something that is usually better addressed with chemotherapy, which follows them through the bloodstream. Oh, that makes sense then. Okay. Now, are there different types of radiation therapy? Yes. To sort of make it very simple, I'm just going to divide it into two groups. One is external beam therapy. These both use ionizing radiation, but external beam therapy, the beam is developed, it is generated through a linear accelerator, is what we usually use. There are a couple of other machines. But it's a, it's a big machine that makes the, the ionizing beam outside of the patient. And then if you will, aims it at the patient or shoots it toward the patient like a chest x-ray does. Oh. The other kind of radiation is something called brachytherapy. That is developed where you have a radioactive isotope, for example, cobalt. Um, by radioactive decay, it gives off ionizing radiation. The difference is, is so it's how it's developed. It's how it's generated. Radiation is radiation. These are both ionizing radiations. But when you want to treat something close, you don't want the beam to go very far. You use a brachytherapy. When you want it to travel through something, so you're trying to get a target in the middle of somebody's body, not something that's an inch away, then you use an external beam. So the brachytherapy is something you would put inside the body? It is something that you put either inside the body permanently or that you can put in temporarily with an applicator. So... Examples of that would be when we do a radioactive seed implant in a prostate patient, um, we put in 80 to 100 very tiny little radioactive seeds. They're little metal, tiny, tiny seeds, smaller than a piece of rice. Those are implanted into the prostate. They stay there permanently. And as they, as the seeds are sitting in there, they give off radiation by radioactive decay. And eventually, they lose their radioactivity. That's one way we do it. The second way we do it, which is common with GYN patients, for example, someone that has had cervical cancer, is that we have an applicator that goes into the patient, sort of like a hollow tube. And then we have a machine that has a high dose rate source, for example, let's say cesium, that's attached to a guide wire that slides into that applicator where it dwells for a few minutes, and then it is removed. Well, I wanted to ask you, um, how did... How do you decide how long a patient is going to get radiation therapy and how many days they have to come? How is that decided? That Does it depend on the type of cancer and where it's located? or All of those things go into that. But how we actually come up with our treatment protocols is with studies. And that's one of the things that's so important about having university settings and being able to accrue patients into national protocols, into clinical trials, we are always looking for the way to better our treatments with chemotherapy, with radiation therapy, with combinations, with different schedules. Is it better to treat somebody twice a day versus once a day? Sometimes it is. But the reason we know that is because we, en we enroll patients on clinical trials, and Upstate participates in a lot of those trials. Uh, this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Linda Schicker. She's a radiation oncologist at Upstate. Well, let's talk about what a patient can expect during treatment. Um, when someone uh, has cancer and they're told that, you know, they need radiation therapy, 
What happens when they come? Do, do they see you directly? Initially, they'll see me for usually at least an hour where we will review all of their information, their imaging studies, their pathology. They'll have a physical exam. We'll go through their medical history. And then we'll talk about what they have and what their options are. There are often several treatment options, and it's important that they be able to understand what those are, and then they can make an educated decision. So So you tell them the pros and cons of each option, sort of? Absolutely. When patients come, initially their first thought is that they're going to lose their hair and they're going to be sick to their stomach. And that generally doesn't happen. If I radiate their head, yes, their hair will fall out. If I radiate their stomach, yes, they will feel nauseated, although we have great medicines now that can help prevent that. But most of the sites that we're treating aren't their head or their stomach. So they don't get the nausea. They don't get their hair falling out, which is usually their biggest concern. Mm. Radiation passes through people. It doesn't stay in them. So they're not radioactive. They don't glow in the dark. They won't think we're doing anything to them probably for a couple of weeks, just like they had a chest X-ray. You get the chest X-ray, you go home. Radiation is the same way. They don't feel it when it's happening. You can't can't feel it, see it, taste it, touch it. You won't know anything has happened. It only takes a few minutes to do the treatments. You're usually in and out of the office on a treatment day in about 15 minutes. So it's really very fast. What does happen is we sort of divide this into short and long-term effects. The short-term effects are that generally after about two weeks, sometimes a little sooner, people will notice that they get some fatigue. It won't really stop them from doing something that they want to do, but they will notice that they're a little bit more tired. And just as it takes a few weeks for that to come on, at the end of treatment, it takes a few weeks a few weeks for that to go away again. But it does go away, and they return to their normal energy level. Sometimes we get a very minimal skin change. It can turn pink, can turn a little bit tan, get a little bit of a peel. Often we don't really see any skin change at all. Treatment side effects are site-specific. If I treat your throat, you may get a little bit of a sore throat. If I treat your bladder area, your bladder may get a little bit irritable. But these tend to be temporary things. The long-term effects are something that is very important. And we always have to talk about that because that can alter somebody's treatment decision. If I tell you, if I do this, you may always have a little bit less lung capacity. That's an important thing for you to know because radiation does do damage and some of that damage is permanent and sometimes it doesn't take, it doesn't show up immediately. Sometimes the damage that we do shows up later. So you have to have that conversation. Can I damage your bowel? Yes, maybe I can if I'm treating you down in the pelvis because radiation only affects what it hits for good or bad. If you have a cancer cell on the end of your nose, and I'm treating your breast, it won't do anything for the cancer cell on the end of your nose. It doesn't run around in your body like chemotherapy. So for good or bad, it only affects what it hits. But you have to have those conversations with people because they have to know everything that they're signing up for. Is there anything patients can do if they're facing radiation therapy to make it go smoother? Is there a diet to follow or an exercise to do? Is there any, like, advice in general for... I don't know, preparing yourself to have the best radiation therapy experience possible. One of the biggest things is nutrition. A lot of people that are getting chemotherapy or if they are having some problems with their throat or their mouth, they may not eat well. Radiation does damage, and your body will fix that damage. 
but it needs the building blocks to do it. So what we know is that people that maintain a normal diet, get enough protein, they tend to do better. They tend to tolerate treatment better. They tend to heal faster afterward. Also getting a little bit of exercise. Radiation does make people a little bit tired. But what we know is that people that get a little bit of exercise every day tend to feel less fatigued. Certainly getting rest is important. Your body has a job to do. It's trying to repair the damage that we do with radiation. Rest helps you do that. So all the things that we would normally say are good, some exercise, a balanced diet, and getting plenty of rest. Okay. Now, radiation therapy um, services, are is that something that's really only available at an academic medical center like Upstate? No, and in fact, most radiation therapy is usually done in the community setting. The advantage of having a university center is that you can have treatment modalities there that are not available in the community setting. For example, Upstate has several things that we don't see in the community. We have something called Gamma Knife, which is something we use to treat brain tumors. We have a special machine called a Vero. I think there are only four, but we have one here in Syracuse. And it allows us to treat certain cancers more specifically. So a lot of cancers can be treated very well in the community setting. Um, we have several community offices. There are satellite offices in Oswego. We have one at the Hill Medical Building. And the newest one is in Oneida, which is where I work most of the time. So most things are treated very well there, the same way that they would be treated here. But sometimes, when we need something highly specialized, then we send them to Upstate. So it's good to have that as sort of available if it's needed. It's a great nearby resource for the community. As you were describing, the treatments that can be very brief, but but that you come every day for several weeks, I can only imagine it's got to be you know much more convenient to have that close to where you live. Well, especially in this part of the world where the weather isn't always cooperative. <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much for coming in and telling us about this. I appreciate it. My guest has been Upstate Radiation Oncologist, Dr. Linda Schicker. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.